Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. <sighs> it's David Cox. <laughs> oh, that's just really me. I'm Josh Matheson and I just said before we started recording, there's no point in me going to get a coffee because I can't drink it because I'm always reading a book. And then these two slurping away <laughs> at their caffeine. If it's any consolation, I just really burnt the end of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it does help. Schadenfreude is a real thing. Right, well, this week we are looking at chapter nine of Treasure Island, which is called yeah, Powder and Arms. A little bit of a curveball for us because the chapter before left with them finally saying let's go to the ship so me and david both guessed that we were going to be at hispaniola or the ship or la, 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 like la, 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 la. And, uh, <laughs> it's getting less i forgot what tune we're supposed to sing but i just want i panicked mariachi mariachi i think it's meant to be like something like that yeah but last week, we actually finally met the infamous Long John Silver, owning the tavern of the Spyglass. Mm. Jim Hawkins was summoned there by him. No, he had to and... give him a letter, didn't he? Oh, sorry. Yes, you're right. Sorry. Trelawney gave him a note to give to Silver. Sorry. And then he met him at the Spyglass. And while he was there, a certain Mr. Somebody with two fingers missing was trying to cover his black face dog. and leave quietly and it was of course black dog known as one of the buccaneers who the captain was trying to avoid was found in the pub and then we saw that long john kind of maybe put on a little bit of a performance and a bit of a fast to uh cover up the fact that somebody who was a known pirate was in his tavern and then they went to Dr. Livesey and Trelawney to tell him that black dog was spotted in the area and that perhaps the buccaneers might be around and in play which you know judging by the fact that Trelawney walked around the whole of Bristol telling everybody that they'd found a treasure map probably isn't very surprising that other people came looking for it as well it's gonna be a whole armada searching for the treasure <laughs> yes exactly it's almost like the, the mummy isn't it where there was like that race of two people trying to get to Hamanatra first to get oh, the treasure yeah. there's always got to be another party searching for yeah the exactly you got to be like it's a national treasure and all that lot all over again and it? it's like oh can we beat the guys who are trying to get it but for the wrong reasons yeah. i don't think anyone's getting it in this one for the right reasons though they're all getting it because they want the money for themselves greed how could it go wrong <laughs> what greed generally or this mission basically it's like, right oh there's okay. be lots of money in a sort of in a volatile situation yeah and we're probably going to be hungry and desperate when we get there so our moral compass might be a little less awry but yeah what could go wrong and most of the journey is going to be done in international waters where everybody has weapons and yes exactly being open seas terrifying enough in modern time let alone then it must have just been like horrible then anything could happen to you should we start chapter nine chapter nine powder and arms the Hispaniola. Oh. <laughs> a full month to do that. It was a very, very long break, that wasn't it? 
<laughs> lay some way out and we went under the figureheads and round the sterns of many other ships and their cables sometimes grated underneath our keel and sometimes swung above us at last however we got alongside and were met and saluted as we stepped aboard by the mate mr arrow a brown old sailor with earrings in his ears and a squint he and the squire were very thick and friendly, but I soon observed that things were not the same between Mr. Trelawney and the captain. So wait, Mr. Trelawney isn't the captain. Oh. But so they, we're calling him Captain Trelawney the in the last... Yeah, no, that's the thing. If we, do we know the You're captain? You're going to find out there's a different captain. Okay, here we go. Sorry. This last was a sharp-looking man who seemed angry with everything on board and was soon to tell us why for we had hardly got down into the cabin when a sailor followed us. There's a description of the captain, sharp-looking man who seemed angry. There is, a, there is another captain. Trelawney is not the captain. Sharp-looking, angry man. Captain Smollett, sir, accent to speak with you, said he. I am always at the captain's orders. Show him in, said the squire. The captain, who was close behind his messenger, entered at once and shut the door behind him. So wait, he's just using the sailor as like a herald. It's like, presenting Captain Smollett kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, that's literally yeah. what he's saying. Like, he's literally right there behind the messenger and the passenger's like, yeah, yeah, the captain would like to speak to you. It's like, yeah, I can see him. He's, he's literally right behind you. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just there. What a pompous twit. Like, someone, someone likes feeling important, don't they? Probably does. Yes, I'm, I've, got, I've got I don't do my own introduction money. That's the kind of money <laughs> that I have. I don't introduce myself to conversations. <laughs> well, Captain Smollett, what have you to say? All well, I hope, all shipshape and seaworthy. Um, and then Captain Smollett speaks. We've not had a Bristonian, and I feel like we're going to be leaving Bristol quite soon. We are leaving Bristol to be on a ship with a finite amount of people, and we're not going to presumably. There's not going to be. This is what I mean. Getting aboard, they're pulling up the drawbridge, so to and speak, it would be a bit weird if they meet someone on an island to give them a Bristolian accent. <laughs> but if he's angry, can he? Can he just always? Can he just always be angry? So everything's really sort of like shit. You know, everything's like a, a an attack. Yeah. Even if he's going like, "Can I have a cup of tea?" Just to really play on that. Well, sir," said the captain. Better speak plain, I believe, even at the risk of offence. I don't like this cruise. I don't like the men, <laughs> and I don't like my officer. That's short and sweet. Perfect. I've heard that complaint before on PO. I don't like this cruise. I don't <laughs> like this officer. <laughs> He's at the he's at the concierge desk. Yeah, he's the like customer relations one in a discount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want 20% off my next journey. <laughs> Peak season. Perhaps, sir, you don't like the ship, inquired the squire, very angry, as I could see. I can't speak as to that, sir, not having seen her tried, said the captain. She seems a clever craft, more than I can say. Possibly, sir, you may not like your employer either, says the squire. 
But here Dr. Livesey cut in. Stay a bit, said he. Stay a bit. No use of such questions as that but to produce ill feeling. The captain had said too much, or has said too little, and I'm bound to say that I require an explanation of his words. You don't, you say, like this cruise. Now why? I was engaged, sir, on what we call sealed orders, to sail this ship for that gentleman where he should bid me, said the captain. So far, so good. But now I find that every man before the mast knows more than I do. I don't call that fair now, do you? No, said Dr. Livesey. I don't. Next, said the captain, I learn we are going after treasure. Hear it from my own hands, mind you. Now treasure is ticklish work. I don't like treasure voyages on any account, and I don't like them above all when they are secret, and when, begging your pardon, Mr. Trelawney, the secret has been told to the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about Tre um, Trelawney, isn't he? <laughs> no, I think he's talking about a bird. <laughs> yeah, no, I, think... I thought he was. I thought he was um, intimating that obviously they said about this treasure, and they said it uh, is in someone uh, repeating what they thought about repeating. Repeating. going. Yeah, yeah. Blab of the heart. Actually, that's yeah. the blab of the heart. Blab of the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the word ticklish work. I just yes. love the, all the pirates every night have tickle five. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Tuesday and a good old tickle. <laughs> Sounds like a good tickle, Tuesday to me. Taco Tuesday. Tickle Taco <laughs> Tuesday. I'm kind of not surprised that somebody who has their own herald entering a conversation is feeling put out that. He's hearing whisperings of what the voyage is about from everyone else. And he's like, hang on, I'm the captain here. I should know yeah. where we're going before everybody else and what we're doing before everybody else. I do love that he was like, oh, it was a sealed, you know, we did it on sealed orders. You know, that's fine by me. And I'm like, that I would hate that. Could you imagine taking a job and not knowing where you were going, how long you'd be away for, what you were yeah. sailing, who you were sailing with? Like, how are you fine with that? It's the nature of the business. That just seems crazy to me. If you're a captain for hire, yeah. You don't know anything about the job or who's employing you. No. Silver's parrot, asked the squire. It's a way of speaking, said the captain. Blabbed, I mean. It's my belief neither of you gentlemen know what you're about. But I'll tell you my way of it. Life or death and a close run. That is all clear. And I dare say, true enough replied Dr. Libsey. We take the risk, but we are not so ignorant as you believe us. Next, you say you don't like the crew. Are they not good seamen? I don't like them, sir, returned Captain Smollett, and I think I should have had the choosing of my own hands if you go to that. Perhaps you should, replied the doctor. My friend should perhaps have taken you along with him, but the slight, if there be one, was unintentional. And you don't like Mr. Arrow? I don't, sir. I believe he's a good seaman, but he's too free with the crew to be a good officer. 
a mate should keep himself to himself. Shouldn't drink with the men before the mast. Do you mean he drinks? cried the squire. No, sir, replied the captain. Only that he's too familiar. Well, now, and the short and long of it, captain? asked the doctor. Tell us what you want. Well, gentlemen, are you determined to go on this cruise? Like iron, answered the squire. Very good, said the captain. Then, as you've heard me very patiently saying things that I could not prove, hear me a few words more. They are putting the powder and the arms in the forehold. Now, you have a good place under the cabin. Why not put them there? First point. Then you are bringing four of your own people with you, and they tell me some of them are to be berthed forward. Why not give them the berths here beside the cabin? Second point. <laughs> Any more? asked Mr. Trelawney. One more said the captain. There's been too much blabbing already. <laughs> yeah. Far too much, agreed the doctor. I'll tell you what I've heard myself, continued Captain Smollett, that you have a map of an island, that there's crosses on the map to show where treasure is, and that the island lies... And then he named the latitude and longitude exactly. I never told that, cried the squire, to a soul. The hands knew it, sir, returned the captain. Livesey, that must have been you or Hawkins, cried the squire. It doesn't much matter who it was, replied the doctor, and I could see that neither he nor the captain paid much regard to Mr. Trelawney's protestations. Neither did I, to be sure. He was so loose a talker. Yet in this case, I believe he was really right, and that nobody had told the situation of the island. Well, gentlemen, continued the captain, I don't know who has this map, but I make it a point. It shall be kept secret even from me and Mr. Arrow. Otherwise, I would ask you to let me resign. <laughs> are there no workers rights in this time you don't even have the right to resign from your job please give me permission to leave my job am i, am I allowed to go so what's he saying he, he actually wants it to be kept secret yeah from him and mr arrow i wonder if he's already worried about mutiny or something like that because he obviously he's already saying you know they're putting the arms basically at the front of the ship rather than underneath the cabin where they could be like kept an eye on and monitored yeah. I wonder if he's just like, if it's like a conscience thing, he's like, well, if I can just plead ignorance and say I'd never knew, then I can just be an honest captain and not be, you know, embroiled in all this yeah. nonsense. Yeah. But then also, if you don't know, you can't be tortured or bribed or... That's true. Do you know what I mean? In order to give up who has it. Yeah. It's a very odd one. Normally, most people don't plead to be ignorant in these situations. No. They don't normally want to be kept out of the loop, particularly if you're meant to be the captain of the ship. You feel like you should be in on what, everything that's going on. And also, if he's that morally opposed to the whole thing, he should just resign. Yeah. I don't see how keeping it secret from him is his term of, of, of resignation when he's already listed four or five 
points as to what he yeah, hates sure. about the ship already. And you're Rather like, than fixing you're going to be an absolute nightmare to sail with. You're going to be such a grump. Like, just get off now before we even yeah. leave. He's not going to be joining in in uh, Tickly Taco Tuesday. No. I see, said the doctor. You wish us to keep this matter dark and to make a garrison of the stern part of the ship, manned with my friend's own people and provided with all the arms and powder on board. In other words, you fear a mutiny. Mm, it's Sir, said Captain Smollett, with no intention to take offence, I deny your right to put words in my mouth. <laughs> No, Captain Sir, would be justified in going to sea at all if he had ground enough to say that. As for Mr. Arrow, I believe him thoroughly honest. Some of the men are the same, all maybe for what I know, but I am responsible for the ship's safety and the life of every man jack aboard of her. I see things go in as I think, not quite right. And I ask you to take certain precautions or let me resign my berth. And that's all. Captain Smollett, began the doctor with a smile. Did you ever hear the fable of the mountain and the mouse? You'll excuse me, I dare say, but you remind me of that fable. When you came in here, I'll stake my wig, you meant more than this. Doctor, said the captain, you are smart. When I came in here, I meant to get discharged. I had no thought that Mr. Trelawney would hear a word. No more I would, cried the squire. Had Livesey not been here, I should have seen you to the deuce. As it is, I have heard you. I will do as you desire, but I think the worse of you. That's as you please, sir, said the captain. You'll find I do my duty. And with that, he took his leave. Can I just say, I like the captain. Me too. He's, he I seems like such a asked, straight shooter. He asked reasonable questions. Yeah. I mean, like, so where, where are they, they going to sleep? Like, you know, all these things that are just like, I reckon everyone else is like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, it won't be. Because we need to think mm. about this. We need to think about just that. He's like, like, my job, first and foremost, is to keep everybody safe. It's quite, mm. you know. Honorable. Yeah, it's, uh, He's a safeguarding officer. <laughs> he, listen, as we all know, in, in, in some positions of high authority, you're not there to be someone's friend no. necessarily, are you? Yeah. And he, yeah. They're there to keep true. a tight ship, as they say mm -hmm. in France. That's it. I would agree with Dr. Livesey's assessment that he's like, you want everybody who's not linked to the crew at one end of the ship with the arms and all the gunpowder in a defensible position, i.e., you know, in a cabin where you can lock the door and you can, so, that, so it's like, but then he's like, oh, don't put words in my mouth. I'm not, I don't fear a mutiny. And it's like, mm, you might not admit that, but it does seem like that's along the lines that he's thinking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe to him, mm. it just makes sense. I know that sometimes seamen are quite superstitious. Maybe he's worried that like by saying it out loud or something that you'd yeah. entertain it more. Or just but, his uh, pride didn't want somebody else to, to tell him what he thought yeah stubborn. there's obviously a lot of pride and like probably convention here as well 
in terms of how things run and the power structure and stuff like that. Because the captain, he, he is walking around like the main authority on board. And technically, you know, yes, out at sea, the captain is the authority. He is the law. But Trelawney and Dr. Livesey are the money. And as we know, like the money normally trumps everything else because they're the ones yeah. who hired the crew. Trelawney, said the doctor, contrary to all my notions, I believed you have managed to get two honest men on board with you. That man and John Silver. Oh, Silver, if you like, cried the squire. But as for that intolerable humbug, I declare I think his conduct unmanly, unsailorly, and downright un-English. I wish he'd said, and worst of all, instead of downright. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and worst of all, un-English. Like, but you do save the worst and most gravity-laden thing to the last, so the worst thing you could be is un-English. Yeah. <laughs> Perish the thought. But I also find it like unmanly. I don't I don't see what what is unmanly about very reasonably and confidently stating your grievances. Well, yeah. Like I would say that's, that's what's quite more manly, unmanly. Isn't it? Yeah, I would say what's more unmanly is like having grievances and not voicing them and then being passive aggressive about it or or do you know what I mean and not airing these things in the open. Like to to walk into a room and go I'm not happy about this. I think that's quite well, I, oh, that's fine. Yeah. See what's wrong there's, with there's a courage in that. Yeah, definitely. Well, says the doctor, we shall see. When we came on deck, the men had begun already to take out the arms and powder, yo-hoing at their work, while the captain and Mr. Arrow stood by superintending. The new arrangement was quite to my liking. The whole schooner had been overhauled. Six berths had been made astern out of what had been the after part of the main hold, and this set of cabins was only joined to the galley and forecastle by a sparred passage on the port side. It had been originally meant that the captain, Mr. Arrow, Hunter, Joyce, the doctor, and the squire were to occupy these six berths. Now, Redruth and I were to get two of them, and Mr. Arrow and the captain were to sleep on deck in the companion, which had been enlarged on each side till you might almost have called it a roundhouse. Very low it was still, of course, but there was room to swing two hammocks, and even the mate seemed pleased with the arrangement. Even he, perhaps, had been doubtful as to the crew. But that is only guess, for as you shall hear, we had not long the benefit of his opinion. We were all hard at work, changing the powder and the berths, when the last man or two and Long John, along with them, came off in a shore boat. The cook came up the side like a monkey for cleverness, and as soon as he saw what was doing, So ho, mates, says he, what's this? We're a changing of the powder, Jack, answers one. Why, by the powers, cried Long John, if we do, we'll miss the morning tide. My orders, said the captain shortly. You may go below, my man. Hans will want supper. Aye, aye, sir, answered the cook, and touching his forelock, he disappeared at once in the direction of his galley. That's a good man, captain, said the doctor. Very likely, sir, replied Captain Smollett. Easy with that, men, 
easy. He ran on to the fellows who were shifting the powder, and then suddenly observing me examining the swivel we carried amidships, a long brass nine. Here you, ship's boy, he cried. Out of that. Off with you to the cook and get some work. You're going to go and chop some carrots, basically. That's what he said. Yeah, peel skin the, some peel potatoes. Yeah. And then as I was hurrying off, I heard him say quite loudly to the doctor, I'll have new favourites on my ship. I assure you, I was quite of the squire's way of thinking and hated the captain deeply. <laughs> End of chapter. It's quite funny how these guys who play very straight down the middle and by the rules often end up being unliked. Sure. Because everybody gets the same treatment. Whereas people who like break the rules for certain people things have like a small group that like them and then they hated by everybody else because they see the unfairness of how they treat. But at least they have a small group that like them. Whereas yeah. like Captain Small, it's just like... Don't care if anyone likes me or not. This is the way it is. And this is the way it should be here done. Here to do a job and I'll get the job yeah, done. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to find treasure. So it looks like they are actually setting off though. I like, well, they have, they have left. Yeah. Can you imagine no. in the next chapter, there's going to there's gonna be another conversation below yeah. deck about... We're just going to be introduced ship. to every single man who's on the ship. The next four chapters will be them trying to um, get enough wind to actually make it out of yeah. the dock. Do you Definitely. think this is the opposite of Alice in Wonderland? You know, in Alice in Wonderland, they were down that rabbit hole on page one. Yeah. Now yeah. we are on page 132 and they mm. are still in Bristol. Not left. No. I'm not complaining, by the way, because it's built up a lot. I think they've sort of stirred the pot, mm. not the slop, different pot, to <laughs> mean that the things that happen will have context and have some yeah. something to draw back on and have some dramatic irony and some well-crafted, you know, uh, but it is, I'm surprised, just to mm. it that way. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as well, is that, like, between Bristol and the Caribbean, there aren't really any places to stop. Like, sometimes the cruise ships might head down to, like, Madeira or something before they do the Atlantic yeah. crossing. The but, like, this is going to be, like, a good two weeks at sea with nothing to do. Nothing but or sea. Yeah. So I think he's probably setting up or spending the time to set up these relationships and who likes who and who gets along with who and who doesn't get along with who. Because that's probably going to be what the next few chapters as they're sailing is going to be about. It's just going to be all on board the ship mm. and seeing kind of like as alliances form and when people are going to start making their moves as to whether they're going to mutiny or take over. Well, since so. you seem to be guessing what might be coming oh, next, yes, we should play. Guess what the next chapter's called? Well, it's even, so it's me, isn't it? It's you? Yeah. What you, what you got for me? Supper in the morning tide, or something like that. Ooh, I enjoy that. <clears throat> if that's not it, we should um, we should write our own short story with that. <laughs> yeah. Do I do the one that's like a joke one? Or yes. <laughs> Just as they set sail, the uh, the captain realizes he's left his wallet on the counter <laughs> in, in the harbor. <laughs> Just, oh, like, nuts. <laughs> um, well, your joke answer funny. is uh, your joke answer is paid dividends because that is spot on. It's not, um, <laughs> but chapter ten is entitled "The Voyage." Oh, oh well, it means we're leaving now, so we're off. We must be off. 
Yeah, if hopefully. The, if the voyage is the name of another pub, I'll be really cross. Yeah. <laughs> or they see another oh. ship leaving, and they're like, oh, they're yeah. going on a voyage. I wonder where they're going. <laughs> the picture of the next chapter title is quite funny. Jim looks like a little girl in it. Seen in the corner. Oh, they're gonna have a little. Loser. They're gonna have a little. Um, a little chinwag. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's the parrot. It's, I I don't mean to alarm people who haven't got the um the foresight of the pictures. Yeah. No. There you go. He doesn't look like he's got enough stuff in that kitchen to cook for a crew of people. No, he really doesn't. He's got a jug, like <laughs> a long frying pan, and like a big sort of and like, a, uh, a saute casserole dish, and that's about it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do sautéing. <laughs> no. <laughs> If I was the parrot in that kitchen, I'd be worried that I'd be the one getting cooked as well because there doesn't seem to be many supplies like dotted around either. If you've got any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Or if you've got any suggestions of what the captain might left behind in the harbour, you can tell us on Twitter at lazybookclubpod. Or you could draw us a picture of what you think the cabin looks like with hammocks in it. And put it on Instagram. I'm rubbish at these. I'm so no no good at these things. Instagram! Lazy Book Club Pod. <laughs> Just shout Instagram every time. We're also on Patreon, where for the small fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode and access to our videos as well. <gasps> Otherwise, we will see you next week for Chapter 10, The Voyage. The Voyage. Finally going to get some sailing. Here we go. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bon voyage.